Own Your Creativity, Episode 31. When I was a third grader, I actually wanted to drop out of school. I told my parents I wanted to drop out. And looking back on it, the reason is it was completely devoid of creativity. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I'm an author, professor, and podcaster, and I help people tell their story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I'm really excited to be talking to Catherine Hayden. Catherine Hayden writes, speaks, and consults to support an educational paradigm based on student strengths and creative thinking. She is a keynote speaker and specialist for families, schools, and educational organizations nationwide. Catherine co-authored Creativity for Everybody in 2015 and Discovering and Developing Talents in Spanish-Speaking Students in 2012. She writes for publications on education, creativity, and parenting highly creative and gifted children, and as well, she is a published poet. As a former teacher, Catherine founded Sparktivity to engage square peg students and to support the parents and educators who want them to succeed. She holds a Master of Science in Creativity, Creative Problem Solving, and Change Leadership from the International Center for Studies in Creativity at State University of New York, and a Bachelor of Arts from Northwestern University. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's great to be here. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you do and how you came to do it? I think it's really interesting that you have a degree in creativity, and I I don't know how many people actually know that there is such a thing. Sure. Well, it's been a long road for me, and I... um when I was a student in school, when I was a third grader, I actually wanted to drop out of school. Really? I did. Yes. I told my parents I wanted to drop out. And looking back on it, the reason is it was completely devoid of creativity. There was nothing. And it was dull. It, it wasn't challenging me. And when I, um, it was really a, a terrible situation, truly, because we couldn't figure out how to, my parents couldn't figure out how to improve it. And it really felt like a dead end in third grade. Wow. And um, in the summer after that year, I went to a program where, an enrichment program where they taught creatively, creative learning. And I learned math and science and creative writing in a deep, very depth of thinking type of way. And that experience sustained me. For really the rest of school, and I, sometimes I had teachers that helped and, and so forth, but um, it really sustained me for the rest of school, and that led me to want to support kids in school and support parents whose kids might be having a hard time in school for whatever reason. Very often, it has to do with the fact that creativity and creative thinking and creative strengths aren't supported. And so, what led you to write your book, Creativity for Everybody? Well, that is a good question, and that has to do with um, my uh, degree in creativity. So I did well in school, you know, generally enjoyed, enjoyed learning, but that piece of creativity is was often missing from my experience. It took me a long time to want to go back to school, <laughs> and um, I just completed my degree a couple of years ago. Um, I wanted to... Um, doing this work with students and families, I wanted to find a way to quantify and explain 
what I was doing very much intuitively based on my experience, based upon a lot of experience in the field of education. But I felt like there was a better way to explain, to be able to communicate what I was doing and to strengthen what I was doing. And the program at the International Center for Studies and Creativity in Buffalo, New York, is actually the oldest really? program in creativity and innovation. They're coming up on their 50th year anniversary this coming year. Wow. And it's an amazing program. I came across it and I felt it was just perfect because it integrated um, some thinkers that I'd worked with in education and also the business world. And that led me to get that degree. I was so inspired by what I learned about creativity um, as an academic discipline, all the research behind it. Um, I was so inspired, and, and my co-author, Jane Harvey, who's a graphic designer, we were both very inspired to be able to communicate what was so interesting and transformative to us to the general public in a way that would be fun and interesting and understandable. So a lot of the books on the topic of creativity from an academic standpoint are very dense, yes, very boring <laughs> to read, <laughs> and very long. So we wanted to synthesize. We synthesized. I mean, we worked on every single word. There's not an extra word in that book. Because <laughs> we wanted people to be able to open it, grab something out of it visually or through narrative and um, get the word out that uh, about creativity and about what it really means. So what does it mean to you? Well, there are so many ways of looking at it. And I see creativity as such a rich and multidimensional concept. But one of the ways that I like to look at it, because it shows people um, how it applies to them more easily, is thinking of creativity as applying new thinking to solve problems in our everyday lives. And that applies to whatever scale. We could be solving world problems. We could be solving a problem with our family or just with our career. But when we're applying new thinking to solve problems, that's creativity. That's creative thinking. Can you give yeah. in? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Um, and it's supported. So getting a little deeper than that, creative thinking is supported by creative strengths, which are essentially human qualities that are inherent to every person to a greater or lesser degree. Everybody has access to these qualities. Everybody has these qualities, these creative strengths. And there are certain particular strengths, but a myriad of them that support our creative thinking. And when we notice them in ourselves and others and develop them, we can strengthen our own creative thinking and become more authentically creative. So I suppose that even though we all have them and have access to them, not a lot of us know that they're there. And so why do you think that is? Why do you think that we have to relearn things that are actually supposed to be natural and innate? That's such a good question. That's such a good question. And um, a, lot of, a lot of it really does come from education um, because the qualities um, that, we, that are very important, the strengths that are very important for creativity in life, strengths that businesses are just clamoring for because they're not finding it in the people that they're trying to hire. These strengths are not supported in school, and there's a lot of research to show that. It's not that teachers don't want to support creativity. They think they do, but creativity does not mesh with our sort of system as it is today. Um, it actually, I should say, 
it doesn't it does for me there's a the way of thinking about it for teachers that's very easy to incorporate creative thinking but the way it's sort of the status quo of it isn't conducive to supporting creative strengths I, um, I imagine that you're aware of the education, educational system in Finland and, mm-hmm. and the changes that have gone on there. Um, what do you think about that? And do you think it's something that could be incorporated into the North American way of educating? Absolutely. I think there are best practices all over the globe. I think there are best practices um, in North America. Um, and they're they're just not all across the board. So places like Finland, um, Denmark has been doing some really interesting um, effort has some efforts underway to incorporate creativity. These are much smaller countries than the United States, and um, I don't know the nuances of the politics on how they've been able to actually do that. But there are definitely best practices we can learn. A lot of the things that they're doing in Finland or that they're doing in very um, excellent schools that support creativity here in the United States or in Canada or in New Zealand um, come from this research that's been going on for many years, um, research on progressive education, research on creativity uh, since the early 1900s. So it's not necessarily new, um, but it's just starting to come on board as as I think the old system breaks down. And do you think that it's going to take a long time for these new ideas to come on board or how do you see the future? <laughs> I wish I had this statistic truly off the top of my head, but I read somewhere that I think a new idea takes about 150 years to be adopted. Wow. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was thinking, well, um, the John Dewey came about in about 1920. So that puts us, you know, far into the future. But no, I, I think that, um, I think that there's a lot of there are a lot of people questioning and the system. There are a lot of forces kind of coming together and saying, especially business, saying we want creativity. That's starting to trickle down to the colleges and universities and some colleges that are on the cutting edge are changing their admissions policies oh. to look at portfolios, to not put so much weight on SATs and ACTs. And there there is change going on. And then at the elementary level, high school level, there are with technology and the internet, there are lots of alternatives that parents can use. Homeschooling's on the rise. Um, other sort of, there's a movement called tiny schools where they um, try out different models in a very small scale to try to um, test them out and see what works. So there's a lot going on and a lot of freedom, I think, of thinking about differences and of thinking about, well, what can really support creativity in learning? So can you take us back in time to a moment when you felt really disconnected from your creativity and what were the negative effects of not being connected? What's that story for you? Well, I a little bit jumped ahead at the beginning, but really um, when I was young in school, um, I was very disconnected from my creativity. And I think just even upon graduating from college, I had... Um, an excellent education by all standards. And, um, it was a fine experience, but I didn't even want to read a book for a year or something, a couple (laughs) of years, because there was so much focus on sort of the intellectual versus, um, the creative. And I believe that actually they can absolutely be intertwined. I'll tell you at, um, ICSC for my graduate degree, that was the 
but hands down, best educational experience that I've ever had in my life besides that enrichment program when I was in third grade. So they walked the walk in terms of being able to integrate the principles they were teaching mm. into the way of teaching it. And I was very skeptical because I am a um, designer and evaluator of learning environments and I design interactive deep learning experiences for kids and adults and I was very skeptical when I first went and I was just hoping that they would not be hypocritical <laughs> about it and they weren't it was absolutely fabulous so I think going looking at that contrast to how I felt after graduating from college to how I felt after graduating from um, my graduate program in creativity and innovation stark contrast and now, after, after this program, I feel so connected with my creativity, with um, others' creativity, with being able to help others and support their um, creative thinking as well. So on a daily basis, do you always feel creative? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what standards you set for yourself and sort of how you... I mean, there are so many different nuances and pieces and levels of creativity. I think um, I was listening to one of your other podcasts, and someone was making a very good point about um, time and um, relationships and family and how do you get the time to do what you need to do. Once you've unleashed you know, the capacity to think and, and come up with ideas, how do you get time to do that? So I think um, I feel like I could um, think in this manner. It's really quite a mindset most of the time, but the need is always more time. Right. So when you were doing your graduate work and you realized that they were walking the talk, um, was there a light bulb moment for you there about the possibilities for yourself? Yes, absolutely. I actually um, got chills thinking about it because... Um, they were the program I went to international studies, international center for studies and creativity at Buffalo state college. It was founded by Alex Osborne, who is the O last name Osborne of BBDO, which is a very well-known ad agency in New York city. And he founded this program and the study, really the study of creativity, the deliberate study of creativity, because he noticed in his advertising agency that he just was curious, like, why did some ideas actually make it through meetings and some ideas got shot down? So he started to study how people in groups bring innovative ideas to the forefront and he created, and um, others, others as well. Um, he was really in a in a thinking time in the fifties and sixties when there was a lot of creativity. He was earlier than that, but when his research really came um, to the forefront, it was more of the fifties and sixties. There was a lot of research on creativity, and um, I realized that what they were talking about with business, because it's more in a, this program is more in a business context, could be directly related. To education and I'm not aware of anyone specifically relating these models to education and I've done a chapter in a book and some articles about this and have you know worked with schools in applying this model called the four P's model of creativity to um, their organization because it's absolutely powerful 
for supporting individual creativity among the constituents and moving toward innovation. So is there something that you can talk about in terms of maybe um, working with a client um, or a company and seeing the results like the before and after, after you've helped them understand the four P's or a different approach to creativity? Absolutely. I mean, I was just um, one of a school, a school that I worked with um, in the past was dealing with an issue. It was a little issue um, that they had to deal with for the administration. And my team and I came in and we worked with, um, we, we went through the creative problem solving process with their senior administrative team. And just working on this problem, I think it was something to do with a neighbor to the school and maybe they weren't so happy with the noise at pickup or something. And they were trying to figure out what might be all the ways that we can bring harmony to our work with with our neighbors. So um, they went through this process and my colleague David Iman, who's a professor now at Miami University, we worked together on many projects. He brought them through this um, this process. And at the end of it, they were just so excited. And they thought, we went through this process, we learned this new tool and technique for running meetings, and we came up with the best ideas. And it was just so fulfilling for them, because I think a lot of times when you're in meetings, they can be dragging, and they can be punitive and critical, and creative problem solving, the tools in that process give um, support to have everyone's voice truly heard, but in a structure that leads you to solutions mm. rather than to sort of, you know, bickering or whatever usually comes out of a meeting. Right. Wow. Okay. So can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? Sure. I think that I love the idea of catalysts. So something that inspires new thinking, new connections. And for me, catalysts can be anything. Um, I think uh, I love to go to a new city and walk around the city. Just walk around, not even go in anywhere particularly, but just walk and walk and walk and see the people, see the buildings, see what's there. Um, of course, I love to go into museums or different places, but just getting the vibe. And I think extending that to generally walking, even if it's not new, I, I do go for a, for a lot of walks and on walks. I have what they call in creativity incubation time, which is time just to, you're not really specifically thinking or working on a particular problem, but your thoughts are just kind of moving. And I think when you're in nature, at least when I'm in nature, I get inspired um, to think differently or make new connections or have insights. And do you have a person in your life that inspires you to be creative? I do. I was um, thinking about that. And here's, here's an interesting connection. I told you about my third grade experience and going to this program that was an enrichment program for kids. Well, that program is still to this day going on. Wow, that's great. <laughs> and it is run by a woman named Joan Franklin Smutney, who's been very, very... Um, incredible. She's done so much incredible work in the field of education. And she is my mentor. Um, ever since I knew her at that time, you know, over, 
we've been in touch and I've done work for her and she's helped me um, have opportunities in writing and, and so forth. And she is really inspiring to me to help me be creative. She has been, she's published, I don't know, 25 books and has done this work. I mean, for decades supporting kids, providing opportunities for kids to go to these enrichment classes so that they can really get in touch with their own deepest thinking and learning. And she's still doing it today. And so when I talk with her, I get very inspired to keep going and moving and that I'm doing practically nothing compared to (laughs) what she, you know, what she has done in these last number of years. So she, she very much inspires me. And do you have a favorite work of art? It can be any type of art. I do. And actually, if you're talking about inspiring people, somebody that I don't know that inspires me is Andy Goldsworthy. Oh, my goodness. I love him. <laughs> He's just one of my favorite. I'd say one of my favorite artists, but I love, love, love his work. And I have loved working with kids about his work, teaching them about Andy Goldsworthy. Um, something that is so interesting about Andy Goldsworthy that I read about in a biography of him is that he started out doing more geometric work. And then he started to realize that his work, and for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, he um, creates um, natural art. So he uses natural materials outside to create art. And usually the art is destroyed by nature. Um, but he doesn't use the term destroyed. It's, it's changed. And it's so beautiful to see the changes of his art and for him to know to work very hard on these pieces and know that they're not permanent, that they are going, they are part of the ecosystem. They are going to be shifted. Um, but the thing is, he used to use geometric shapes, and then he realized that why is he trying to fit geometric shapes into nature? Because nature is made of curves. Right. And so now, if you if you notice his art, all of it is very organically shaped and and fascinating in the way that he recreates these shapes that are very hard to recreate in nature. And the thing I love about him too is that he doesn't bring anything with him to create his natural art. It's only the materials that he finds around him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible. And do you have a favorite quote that inspires you? I do. You know, I have lots of quotes that I love, but I will say that Einstein has a lot of my favorites. And one that he said about creativity uh, that that I love is everything that is really great and inspiring is created by the individual who can labor in freedom. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I love that because I think all of us need freedom to think. And that's what I see in school these days, that kids are craving freedom, some freedom, just some freedom to choose or to pursue something of interest. Um, But once you give them even a little bit of freedom, it brings so much inspiration and deep creative thinking. And I think that goes for all of us. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) So um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? I, I just love the idea of each person knowing that everybody's creative. And that's something that I learned in graduate school definitively um, from a research standpoint, from an academic research standpoint, that everybody is creative and that creativity can be taught and practiced. And that's another point that's been very interestingly studied with research to show that 
everybody has it and you can improve upon it. So even if you just start, in our book, we wanted to give just a really quick entry point. What are some of the things that you can do? Well, one of the best entry points is curiosity. So if you think, you know, I want to really strengthen my creativity, then you can start with a creative characteristic like curiosity. Just think about that and what it means. How are you curious in your day-to-day life? What makes you wonder? You know, what do you want to investigate? It can be on a very small scale, but just changing that mentality helps you to get um, connected with your own creative strengths, see them in yourself, and begin to utilize them more. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. It's been really enjoyable and fascinating to talk with you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to continue the conversation about creativity, then join me in my Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. An easy way to get there is just to follow the link bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B. Bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B. Or just log into your Facebook account and just search for Own Your Creativity Cafe. And I'll see you on the other side.